0: Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 184.
1: We're flying in a strange plane. Don't know if we'll be able to build the mall again.
0: I like your song, Julius, but it needs a, a beat or a rhythm or, or a melody or <laughs> something.
1: I try very hard, Albert. It's very difficult doing these every week.
0: Yeah, so we're we're not. Don't worry, people. We're not going to give up and start a band because we have shown that is our oh, no. forte. No, no, no. <laughs> but you know that that'd be interesting.
1: Take it from me. I perform for my kids all the time. They will never let me do it in public.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah I sing around the house all the time. So many nonsense songs. I sing about anything. <laughs> it's time to feed the cats. The cats need to eat.
1: But we are talking today not about singing, not about songs, although that would be a really awesome board game, I think. I have to look for that now. <laughs> Instead, we are talking about Aerion, a game where you are flying on a very strange airplane, or more accurately, I suppose, building a very strange airplane and crewing it and powering it.
0: That's right. And this is an Oniverse game. So it's a game designed by Shady Torbey. Part of the series that includes uh, Onirim, and Sylveon, and Castilian, and so on.
1: And Urbion and I think you've named them all of that.
0: <laughs> uh, Yeah. Oh, Nautilion. I, th- I think we missed one. And Nautilion, that's right. We got them all. Did you I remember right, you liked a lot.
1: I did, actually. I, yeah. I
0: still have that one. I haven't played that one enough, I think. I need to try it again at some point.
1: That's a shame. Maybe we'll get it back to the table at one point in time. Oh, nice. But... We are talking about Arian Albert, would you like to lead in with us on a quick overview about the game?
0: All right. So we've already mentioned what the idea behind the game is. You are building skyships. You are the lead designer in the universe or something like that. And you're building skyships for your friends. And you build them. You build them by adding blueprints and parts and crew together. And voila, you've got a skyship. And the way you do this is by chucking dice. Yahtzee. Uh, Yahtzee, exactly this is a yahtzee style game not exactly yahtzee but
1: Uh, it's pretty yahtzee
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah but yeah we'll get into the details so that that's what the game is about it's it's a dice checking game sort of in the style of yahtzee where you're rolling stuff and then re-rolling trying to get certain sets and and that's what the game is, and there's expansions for it, and I think that basically covers it.
1: You do mention that there are expansions. Important to note that as with many of the games in the Oniverse series, there's the base game, um, which comes in the box all the expansions that we refer to do come in the box. Um, but there's the base game, which is the very simple version of the game, doesn't have a lot of complexity, doesn't often have a lot of challenge or thinking. It's they're they're generally pretty rote to play the base game. And then there's a whole number of expansions this one has six they add different difficulty levels different things to do different different mechanics that are now involved in the game to make it more than just chuck the dice and hope you get what you want
0: mm-hmm. that's right e- each expansion adds another layer of choices i think which is always a nice thing so so the base game like you said it's pretty simple um the the setup is you have six stacks of cards each stack has i think in the base game the six cards in it maybe a little more i don't remember exactly and they could they'll consist of well each stack on the back will tell you what you need to roll to be able to get a card from that stack so for example one of the stacks you got to get a three of a kind another one you have to have four of a kind or there's a two pairs there's three pairs and so on Um, some of them tend to be easier than others and and then in all the stacks they each have the same types of cards in that there's gonna be a couple of blueprints, a couple of crew cards, a couple of ship components, and what am I forgetting? There's another thing. And books. books. Um now other the books are all exactly the same. Other than that, there's two types of crew, six types of blueprints, and three types of ship components. And
1: each deck tells you on the back what different types of materials and things are included in that deck. So if you're hunting for a specific thing to make a specific ship, you'll know which deck is either dangerous or has the potential salvation in it.
0: Yep, that's that's exactly right. So so the way you're going to play, you get your six decks, you're going to shuffle them and set them up, and then flip the first card in each deck face up. And then you, you have six tokens that represent the different ships you're going to build. You're going to set them on the side with the unbuilt side face up. And the unbuilt side shows you what it needs. And you're, you're ready to play. You're going to start rolling dice. And your goal is to match the one of the combinations on one of the decks. The specific numbers don't match. It's just the pairs or triplets of, of numbers that you get. You're going to roll. Unlike Yahtzee, you, only get, you don't get any rerolls automatically. You're going to roll, and hopefully it matches one of the decks, and hopefully it matches the deck you want. You know, It's not going to, unfortunately. That almost never happens.
1: It happens all the time.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Your copy's better. I've got good dice. <laughs> My copy must be defective because it, it never works out the way I want it. <laughs> so, so you're going to roll, and if it's not something you could use, what you could do is those six cards that you have face-up that you're trying to win, you could discard one of those, and reroll any of those six dice that you have, and then you could now hopefully you could buy a card. If not, you're gonna again discard a card and buy again. You have to buy a card. If you can't, you have to discard one of the cards and reroll until so either you buy a card or there's no face-up cards to that you could purchase. Um, once once one of those two things happens, you will go ahead and either buy the, buy the card that you can and refill all the empty stacks from the draw deck. And keep playing. That's basically how the mechanic of of drawing, buying cards works. The there's a few other things that come into play, like the there's um the book cards, The, the books are let you store cards that you've bought and keep them on the side. There's also two workshops. These are just basically areas in front of you. You're allowed to build two ships at a time. Each ship requires a crew, a component, and a blueprint. So, if and you, for clarity's for example, sake, have, it requires
1: first the component, and first the blueprint, and only then the crew.
0: Yes, the crew—you have to fill, get the, the crew last, which is always a challenge annoying. for me. <laughs> yes, and, and annoying. Yeah, pretty much. And, and when we say annoying, it's not a bad annoying. <laughs> it's it's the fun that comes in the dice chucking game, really. Yes, that, that's what I think, anyway. Um. So yeah, so you're going to be doing this, trying to build the ships. Once you have, in one of those two workshops, all three parts to build a ship, you can then discard those cards and flip one of those ship counters over to the built side. And you can keep doing this until either you have built all six ships or you run out of cards and can no longer do anything else. And that That's the whole basic game right there. I don't think I left anything out. I did. I didn't mention the books too much. If you get a book, you're going to set those aside. They have their own special... St- Place to put them. You can only have one book at a time. A book you could either discard it to get three free rerolls, super handy, or you could discard it to pick any one of those discard stacks because you've been discarding cards like crazy, obviously, since you can't get those darn numbers you need. And uh, you could pick two cards out of them and put it back on top of the deck. So, so if you, for example, had to discard all all your blueprints of a certain type that you really needed, you're able to go fish for them and put them back in the deck, and and that's everything about the base game right there. It's, <laughs> it's a pretty simple mechanic. It is, it is fun. It is satisfying. It is, it is random. Sometimes things work out really nicely. Sometimes they just don't line up and it's just, <laughs> just frustrating. Um, but again, that's fun. What, what this game has, right, as all the universe games pretty much, is expansions that give you more variety and more ways to play. And you could mix and match as you like. Right, so you wanna go over the expansions, Julius?
1: Well, I think maybe we should talk about our thoughts about the base game before we go over the expansions. Mm, okay. Um What was your idea of what was your thoughts on the rules in general for this game? Did you think the rules were okay?
0: They they're okay. There's a, a couple of things that are a little bit confusing and are generally explained in the rule book but a little bit hard to find, specifically in the in the how to make the sets. Mm-hmm. Um for example, the, there's one card that says A-A plus B-B plus C-C or A-A-A plus B-B-B, meaning you have to have three pairs or two pairs or two triplets. Um, somewhere in the rule book as a sidebar, kind of tells you that whenever you have that kind of thing listed where you have two pairs listed, they could actually be the same number. So it could be your two pairs could be all six. Two, 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 two. Yeah that that counts exactly they're all twos yeah um, and then there's one card that says A plus B plus C plus D plus E and that specifically means a run of five so it's either one through five or two through six exactly because I had missed that, that little section where we, where I mentioned how that works correctly I was doing any five different numbers
1: oh that's a little bit easier
0: mm-hmm yeah I liked it that way it was great <laughs> <laughs> then I realized I was doing it wrong and you know, I got a little harder um, but I, I do like the game I enjoy it. I did not find the rule book too bad the idea of how to play the game is a little strange at first but once you figure out what's going on it's, oh it's, that's pretty straightforward
1: yeah I think the, it did an interesting thing by splitting up instead of doing things chronologically it first introduces key concepts and it tells mm-hmm. you about the elements the workshops and the books and only then does it start explaining like what you do with your turn and how you play the game and Oh, I, the the key concepts both on the one hand were a little bit too vague for me to understand the whole of it. And I felt like I had to essentially read that twice. I had to read key concepts and then I had to read how you play the game. And then now knowing how you play the game, I had to go back and reread the key concepts. So I'm not sure if there's a better way to do that.
0: Yeah. fortunately it's a small rule book.
1: It is a small rule book. I'm not sure if there's a better way to do that, though, because, I mean, it it has complexities. Like, there is definitely things going on, and you sort of have to explain it that way. So just be prepared that it may take you a, a second read-through of the rules before you really fully understand it.
0: Yeah, I agree with what you're saying, but but it's not a complicated game, so like Julie said, go through it, reread it, you'll get it. and It's pretty simple. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a nice, simple, traditional mechanic, almost.
1: What did you think about the theme?
0: I love the Universe. I really enjoy it. The theme in this one is pretty neat. I love the idea that I'm building a skyship. Um, <laughs> you know, it's 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 a light it's a it's a light theme. It's very pasted on, but there there are five other games already in this series and so so it's sort of built on that universe which is non existent. But I I love that one of the uh, crew that you could have on your ship Sure, look an awful lot like the nightmares from Onirum. What? Which <laughs> like ones? You, the the no. ones with the pointy ears. Yeah, the pointy ear guys looks just like the nightmare with the pointy ears from Onirum. I sure think oh, so. Oh,
1: they are the incubi. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, they're the incubi. So, oh, so it makes me yeah, wonder. Interesting, you know, <laughs> right? It, it makes it interesting. Like, what's going on? Why are these now the good guys and not the bad guys? I kind of wish I knew all the stories behind this.
1: Uh, I uh, I, I like that about it. You're assuming that they are. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. And you know. This one came from your dream and before you were a human? No idea.
0: It may be totally a mistake on my part, but I don't doubt that 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 vagueness is there on purpose. That they want you to, to think about that sort of thing.
1: Could be. I definitely think that they have developed a world that stylistically all holds together. And every time we continue to have this, like it's another facet of adventures and things that are happening inside this world. And taken all together, I like how they continue to reference back to it. It makes it, it adds continued dynamic flavor to it. Like when we just had the Oniverse, that was a fun. Nightmare Dream Realm, but now we're starting to really see how everyone's interacting. This one time, like as you're saying, we continue to see more stories like this one time. I can start seeing almost a fictional universe and characters starting to come out of it. Now, then for this one, I mean, I I question quite what's going on because <laughs> the the game does introduce this Hellkite almost sort of as an afterthought. From the majority of this game, there's not actually a antagonist and yet you feel like you're rushing the whole game for no real reason like there's until you introduce the Hellkite, there's no real reason why you have to do it the way you do it so i'm not quite sure about that the idea though that you're just building airplanes because this is how (laughs) dreams build weird airplanes is a fun flight (laughs) of fancy to be able to take Mm. in this universe
0: yeah, I I, and I love the, how those airplanes look and calling them mm. airplanes is, is oh, it's it's not a, a good Ships. term. Ships, airships. Yeah, there you go, airships. That's what that's what is. More the, like, and even I, then, they're so fanciful.
1: I mean, I question what the difference is between saying airplanes and airships, but yes, sir, Albert, <laughs> whatever you say.
0: Okay. And, they're too fanciful. I don't know what to, what to call them.
1: Yeah, and as with many of the Oniverse games, the art also just pulls together a lot of the style of the game, a lot continuing to have it be this fanciful, dreamlike universe by being entirely unrealistic, but in a fun way. (laughs) Flights Mm -hmm. of fancy is the best way of summarizing this sorts of this, this artistic style.
0: Yep. Yep, absolutely. Um... So, Discussing so the art.
1: shall we talk about the components in that case?
0: Yeah, components. It, it's mainly cards, right? Some mm-hmm. dice, little dice. And what else you get, that meeple?
1: It, you do have that meeple. I think that they're doing that for all of these Universe games. They come with yeah. one chunky plastic screen-printed meeple that is used in one of the expansions for the game, and this one is the Hellkite. I mentioned it's the antagonist for this game and they've had other ones for the other one, the Dark the Dark Tower or the Fire Guy. So they continue to have another one of this one. The the chunky meeple is very nice. Um feels nice as with other ones. I mentioned that all of the art for everything is good. One thing that actually I think is really nice, um, I continue to like having uh shaped cardboard cutouts. And there are mm-hmm. the Pixie tokens that are very nice tokens that they're essentially like extra lives. Um, And you can use all of the extra lives if you want an easier mode, or none of them if you want a harder mode. But the pixie tokens are all shaped one and they're all shaped differently, which is sort of just a nice thing to have out. Um, I will also note that the ship tokens are all differently shaped and all just sort of sit out there. And I suppose that, and I'll get back to this when we discuss the flagship, the fact that they're all differently shaped, well, I really have to mention them when we get to flagship. They all are differently shaped, and that's going to make me have an opinion later.
0: Um. Yeah. I. Well, I like all the components. Like, like you said, the cardboard stuff. I love that they're all different, and I love that they're chunky cardboard too. It's very satisfying just to pick them up and use them. Mm-hmm. Um. The, you know, the components are all fine. The cards are fine, and all that. The chunky meeple, like you said, is great. I like the dice. They're smaller size, which I I tend to like 12 millimeter dice a lot more now than the bigger ones. And I keep (laughs) like replacing a lot of the dice in my games with 12 millimeter dice. So these are perfect. I don't know. I just find them. I like them. I like like these small dice. I have no idea what it is. I will disagree with you with
1: that, but that's okay.
0: (laughs) Yes. And I'm sure most people probably do. I know sometimes the big, chunky, heavier dice are fun too, but especially when you're rolling a lot, the easier ones. The smaller yeah. ones are easier.
1: It's 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 more because because you're rolling sticks,
0: yeah. And I like the color of the dice. <laughs> they what, is it? blue and purple or blue and pink, something like that.
1: Eggshell blue,
0: like a light blue or two. Eggshell, yeah. They're they're neat. I like those dice. I really enjoy them. Overall, it's a very satisfying game to play because of the components. Should we jump into the expansions?
1: Uh certainly, Albert. Let's do it.
0: Okay. So so we said there's six of them. The first one is the flagship. Uh, this one is interesting. It gives you two different things. One is it gives you another ship you now have to build. So there's more things you have to build. Instead of requiring three things, this one doesn't use any blueprints, but it requires both types of crew and all three types of uh, materials, ingredients, whatever they're called. Materials, thank you. Um because Element. it uses so elements, okay. Because it uses so many pieces, it doesn't have to go into a shipyard. That just gets built separately, and once you have all five components in there, that ship is built. It doesn't matter if you built this one first or the other ones first. They just all all seven ships now have to be built for you to win the game. Because you now have more to do, it is harder. They they throw you a bone. There are six uh, factories or warehouses, I think, that you get you get to roll two dice and get two of them at the beginning of the game. Each one of these gives you different capabilities um, that basically make the game easier. For example, one of them, after you roll your six dice, if you're not happy with them, you could re-roll all six dice again. so it gives you one free reroll off the bat every round. super handy and, and there's other useful abilities. there's one that lets you build the or add the work the the crew ahead of the other parts or at any any order so that so it no longer locks things up, which is nice again. Um, it's a neat expansion it It adds more variety again, a little bit of a challenge, a little bit of an easierness to it mm-hmm. easierness.
1: Uh, One comment I have on this one is that many of the expansions do add in the ability to make it more difficult. With this one, the way you can make it more difficult is that instead of just getting the factory cards, the ones that make the game easier for free at the beginning of the game, instead, each of them actually has the same matching backs for each of the six decks, because there's six factory cards. And so you shuffle them into the decks, and then you have to actually acquire up to two of them over the course of the game before you have access to them. And unlike with the other expansions, I actually think this is more fun with the difficulty with the difficulty at that level um Not only does that mean that you have a little bit more flexibility with things you could discard because at that point in time, if you get to the other factory cards and then just free discard fodder um uh, but I think it's more mm-hmm. fun to sort of acquire work for, and make the choices on being able to acquire the factory cards and the special bonuses you get rather than just sort of getting those for free at the start of the game. I enjoy that more. One comment yeah. about the component. It, Go ahead.
0: Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily even make the game harder by playing that way because if things work out right, you could get two two of those factories show up at the very beginning and you still get them at the beginning. And like you said, you now have the other ones in your deck, so you could discard them for free rerolls, right? They actually become a benefit. Mm-hmm. So potentially it makes things easier. Well, um, but I hadn't used it. I hadn't played the difficult way in a long time, and my recollection was that you could have any number, not just two. No, it's uh, up to I'm, two. I'm sure I had that wrong because that didn't seem right. I've
1: got the rules open in front of me. It's up okay. to two.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay.
1: Um, You're going to say something? Yes. One comment about a component for this one that I don't like. It does come with another ship token, the flagship. And I mentioned mm-hmm. before that all the different ships have sort of very different uh, sizes to them the flagship feels like it should be a more major ship that it's bigger or somehow more distinct, but in all reality, because all the ships are already just a different variety of sizes, this just becomes another one. That's a different variety of sizes. It doesn't have any sort of blue border to it, even to distinguish it. It doesn't have anything that other than just the fact that it's a different ship, all of the ships are already all different if I were to lay them out on the table without telling you, Hey, this one's different. I don't know if you would realize, Hey, this one's different. And to me, that feels like a loss. There should be more that distinguished it in terms of either the component or the art that was put on it to make sure that it's clear that this one has significantly different rules about how you interact with it. What it is.
0: Mm. -hmm. Yeah, I I agree with you a hundred percent. And, it doesn't change or take anything away from the mechanics of the game. It, it plays just as well the way it is. But thematically, it'd be nice if if it did stand out a little more. You know, like you said, bigger, more interesting shape, a, a more colorful, or lively picture on it. Anything.
1: I mean, I think even what I would have done if I'd done is that each of the other ships have a single like finger cut out, a semicircle cut out into the top and bottom. I think the the only design style change that I probably would have done for it is make this one a little bit wider and give it a double cutout on the top and bottom. And that's probably the only change that I feel would have been necessary, even just something that minor, I feel like would have enhanced to distinguish the flagship is the flagship.
0: It is an interesting choice that they made. The, uh, you want to talk about the next expansion? The hourglasses.
1: Sure. The next one is the hourglass expansion. The way the hourglass expansion works is that you have to shuffle in an additional uh, 24 hourglass cards into the different resources. And over the course of the game you now have the ability to essentially pick out the hourglass cards just like regular element cards. And you have to pick, you have to pick the six different hourglass cards, one from each deck, in order to be able to win the game. Um, You don't have any requirements for when you can do that, the order, anything like that. They're just an extra step that you have to do and also something else that sort of just litters your deck. Um, The only components of this one is just those 24 Hourglass cards. For me, I really like this expansion. I think this is a very fun one. Um, Mm -hmm. It's something extra for you to have to think about and balance and also worry about having to find or being careful that you don't discard it. It's something else in the deck, and that's really all that it does. And I like that it gives you just one more thing to think about without really being too taxing on how to complete it. It's just buy it, and that's it.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, one thing Julie's gonna mention is you when the when the card shows up, you have to buy it right away because if you don't buy it by that end of that round, it gets discarded. Truth. Um. So so it is fleeting. So so you know you you don't have a lot of choices when it comes up. You you gotta like, oh I. I well, need his hourglass. Still the last one that, you still can discard it. You could choose to yes. discard it. But you could say like if I really need his hourglass, I have to try and roll that combination, whatever it is. Um especially if you're getting towards the end of the game or something. And you may have to use some of those pixies if you have them that sort of thing. So so they could give you a little bit of a tough choice trying to when you're playing with them. But again, you have so many in the deck, it's not a huge issue. And it's again another another set of cards that you could start discarding once you've got those and you don't need them. So so I li- I like this expansion. They're they're interesting. They're neat, and <laughs> again a little bit just of uh, design here. I like that they make the decks a little thicker because it makes them easier to shuffle. <laughs> True. <laughs>
1: Yeah, actually, that, mentioning that about the decks being able to shuffle, it's a shame to me that the deck bo- that the box of the game is so small. This is a game I would love to be able to actually sleeve the cards. Unfortunately, because the box is so small, I don't think if I sleeve it, it'll fit back in the box. I haven't tried it, but I'm pretty confident it won't. It,
0: yeah, it would not because... Not with the insert. No way. I'm
1: not even sure even without the insert that it would.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm never gonna throw out my inserts, (laughs) not for these games. So I'll never find out. I hear you. Yep. So so that's the hourglasses. The next one is uh the stone clouds. I think this is my favorite expansion.
1: Ooh. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna. This one.
0: No. Okay. There are hammerbirds. Um. I think you put two in each deck again, and stone clouds, and the. You need to to win the game. Now you got an extra challenge. You got to get rid of all the stone clouds. The stone clouds are double sided tokens again, or chipboard things. And to destroy them, you got to roll thirty or more on your dice, and then you could flip the token over to the other side. And once you flipped it, the next time you roll thirty or more, you could remove a, a token. the The hammerbirds help you. That if you if you have hammerbirds available in the display, when it comes time to to, to discard those clouds. One hammerbird will give you plus five, two gives you plus forty, and if there's three, it gives you hundred, which is really nice because you have three and you roll twenty. Now you could just dis- discard or flip a total of four t- counters. Um, I think this is a negative and to make sure expansion. it's clear
1: also, if you're demolishing the stone clouds, you do not have the ability to buy cards.
0: That's right. It, it's an alternative uh, phase two of the game where normally phase two is when you buy the card. Here you're choosing to instead destroy the cloud. I, I like this. The it's interesting because those you need those hammer birds in there to be able to destroy the clouds, but and you want to get three in there to do maximum damage, but leaving them on your on your in your draw area um locks up that deck for you and locks up the choices that you have in the game. So so it makes it interesting, I think. It makes it a little tougher. And and not not really harder, just the choices a little tougher sometimes
1: i agree with you i enjoy that tougher decision making i agree with Mm -hmm. you i enjoy having that tougher decision making i like that you sort of have to play a risk-taking game when you're building up to get a big attack on the stone clouds um what i don't like for me is that essentially i'm a a good friend of mine here in my local area has the ability to simply look at the dice and be like that totals to this that totals this and six or seven times as fast as it takes <laughs> me to total it up i have to actually like associate them with the tens and see how much i have and it, it takes me a little bit longer it's much easier for me to very quickly glance at the dice and be like i have a straight i have three of a kind that i can do very quickly but it takes me a, a second longer to be like oh wait let me count and see how much i have Um, am I close enough? Is it worth it? Maybe I could just start doing shortcuts in my head. I never thought about it, especially as Albert mentioned. You just have to get above 20. I could probably just guesstimate and be like, I'm above 20 and (laughs) just double check at that point instead of like stopping and counting every time when I'm playing this one. But because there's that extra step in my brain that just sort of makes me stop what I'm thinking, pause, total, continue. I didn't like that. <laughs> it, it made me wish I had a, 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 made me wish I had a volunteer here who could just continue to shout out totals for me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I, I find that it's not too hard to, to guess if I'm close to it or not. You know, If you don't have fours and fives and sixes and a few of them, you're probably not going to reach 20. So, so I only bother checking when, I, when I'm close. And I really, I only care about it when I have two or th- at least two, if not three, of the birds out. And then I'm like, so I just gotta get twenty. 20 is an easy number to reach with six dice. So so I didn't find that problematic at all. Um but you know, again, it's another way to add choice, which is and and more choices in the game and, and things to think about, which is neat. Agreed. Um next expansion is The Peers. The Peers. Um I didn't like the Peers. <laughs> I'll start with that. Can oh, really? I talk about it? Sure, yep.
1: the way the peers work is that again, you're going to be mixing in some more cards into the decks. You now have the twelve worker cards you're also going to be having three peer cards, which are a new difficulty that you essentially have to do um instead of being able to acquire cards, if you have at least a five of a kind as your role, you can instead build one of the peers and you have to build all three peers over the course of the game in order to win now though you have the advantage of having the workers out. Um, And the workers can help you if you have a worker out during when you're rolling, you can discard a worker to either reroll, or you can put it into the payroll area to reroll up to three times. But if you're putting it in your payroll area, then you have to make sure that you're going to pay that worker later um, by rolling at least a 26 to be able to pay him instead of acquiring cards.
0: Hmm. It is interesting. It does add a lot more choices again. This was, you know, in my I opinion,
1: the most complex of the expansions.
0: That could be. That could be. It. I might. Have, I might not like it because I had bad luck with it a few times or something. I don't know.
1: Oh, um, bad luck! Did you have? It is it, never rolling a 26
0: lost. Yeah, <laughs> had too many workers and they're not getting paid and you know, they revolt. <laughs> the, but but it, it it is a neat idea. I definitely I definitely appreciate it. Um. there's yeah I don't know maybe I don't hate it I have no idea at this point
1: <laughs> as mentioned I thought this was the most complex one because every other time sort of these gives you an alternate phase twos do you do something instead of acquiring now this actually gave you you could do two things instead of acquiring you can either pay off your workers or you can build a peer and with many of the other ones there's sort of like a a benefit that you get and a new bad thing that's happening to you. Um, Mm -hmm. So like with the hourglass cards it's a new resource you could discard, but on the other hand, it's a new thing that you have to build with this one. Again, it's actually like three things. There's the workers that have the two things they can do. And there's the peers, which is a third thing you're interacting with, which in my, my mind made this into the, the most complicated one. I felt that it had the same difficulty as before, where I had to continue to keep pausing and doing a count to get a over 26 and see if I had enough to do a payday. And I'm just not a risk taker. So I, I very rarely wanted to do a worker in the display to reroll three times because that meant that now I'm obligating myself that I have to do something else, that I'm essentially adding extra victory conditions that I didn't need to do. I never wanted to take that risk. I'm just not that kind of player. And because of that, I never really was interacting with like half the, a third of the stuff in this expansion. And it just, it fell flat for me.
0: Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, I don't know. I have nothing to say. I'll take
1: it back. So yeah, I think this one got on the low tier for me, together with the Stone Clouds.
0: Um, not though. You're gonna tell me you liked it? What's no. Number five. That? Okay. <laughs> the the next one. Then let's just jump to the last two here. The Hammerbird Eggs. Right. So we introduced the Hammerbirds in the Stone Clouds expansion. There's also Hammerbird Eggs in expansion number five. Um, this expansion is just the eggs, and again, there's twelve cards, two per deck. The eggs are interesting in that. They're gonna they're gonna clog up your your decks, is their goal. If an egg shows up, you the only thing you could do is if you roll the exact number, you could go ahead and take it and set it aside. You now have this egg available that you could use later. You could never choose to discard an egg for a reroll. Um, now this expansion is f- introduced instead of a, a new win condition, introducing a new lose condition. All the other ones had had a, a second win condition, something you had to meet to succeed. This one. If you start a turn and all the decks only have eggs available, you lose. Actually, you don't lose immediately. You have a chance to to get one of those eggs and um, set them aside to to roll one of those pairs or sets, whatever it is. But if you aren't able to do it immediately with uh, your first row, you lose the game. Um, And so so it's a challenge, right? Because you got these eggs and you got to get them out of there. Whenever they show up, you have to get them. Otherwise, you can start having fewer choices because there's fewer places you could discard from and whatnot. But if you do have an egg that you've already acquired and set aside, they're handy because what you could do with those eggs is at any point discard any number of those eggs, one, two, three, whatever, choose a deck and draw that many cards from it, look at them, pick one, and make it your current active card, and shuffle the rest of the cards back into the deck. So if there's already another active card you could go ahead and shuffle that one in too. So that this could be handy if there's a stack that just doesn't have anything good and you really need a specific worker or something. You could go ahead and maybe discard three eggs, see if you if you find that worker in there. And trade it for the card that was active and then and then put that worker there and now hopefully you already got the roll if not you could try and get the roll that you need to get it. So it is interesting. Um I I don't like the way it locks things up. It does slow down things a little bit for me.
1: It also requires you to do shuffling in the middle of the game, which also slows things. down. It
0: does. Up. Yeah, but honestly, it didn't happen that often. There's not that many there's 12 eggs. Um So at most you'd be shuffling 12 times. Potentially more, I guess if you if you use one of the books to, to get pull those out from the discard and put them back in, but I can't imagine somebody wanting to do that.
1: <laughs> that would not be the target.
0: <laughs> no. But yeah, so, so you may have to shuffle in. And if you're discarding No, the you can't even looking, pull it out again because
1: they're removed from the game when you use them.
0: Oh, okay. I've forgotten that. Yep. So so they're interesting. Again, you know, they give you more choices. They lock things up, but they kind of help you fish for those cards that you do need and kind of, in a way, also make it easier. Um, so it's sort of balanced. Harder. More choices. Overall, I found it did make the game harder. But what it definitely does is give you more choices. I like that you have stonebird and stoneberg eggs so I, so I was excited about using those two expansions together. I did not find it worked so well for me. You just like the babies, um, yeah, yeah, like the babies <laughs> so that's the hammerbird eggs, not stonebird eggs. Um, yeah, I'm also not such expansion. a fan of this
1: one uh, again, because mm-hmm. I feel it just slows it down having to shuffle um. With such a small deck, like if I could sleeve it maybe this would this is one of the one of the ones I was like if I'm doing this one I really want to be able to sleeve it and still don't feel I can. I it it just feels like it's a, it's gonna slow the game down more. So this one sort of goes into a medium tier for me.
0: <laughs> you know, but it's a powerful one. I'll tell you, for example, uh, you, you roll three pairs and that rarely comes up and you say, Oh, I could really use the the blueprint that come, that's in that deck now, but you know, there's oh look, there's one in my discarders. they're in the discards. I could go ahead and use the book that I have, move it from the discard to the top of the deck, and then use the egg to draw the next card in my deck and replace it with whatever I had out. I hear you No, know, voila, I've got the card I needed, and I could just take it. So, so it could be super handy. <laughs> but yeah, at a, at a cost.
1: Go on, Albert. onto the
0: Hellkite. All right, so the final expansion is the Hellkite. This is the one that uses the, the cool little kite-shaped people. The bad guy. Um, the bad guy. <laughs> this one is interesting. Because now you're going to have, you're going to basically sort of set up a map above your six decks. You're going to, you're going to, there's two types of cards. The, the game brings eight.
1: Outposts. Eight
0: outpost cards and mm-hmm. eight. Layers. What's the other one? Layers. So eight layers and eight outposts. So the Hulk, you need to destroy the, the Hulk layers. So it doesn't have a home anymore. So the way you're going to play is you're going to shuffle the layers, put six of them, one on top of each of the stacks of cards that you have. Um, over it, not not on top of the directly on top of the cards, but like behind them, I guess. Um, and then you're gonna take the layers or I'm sorry, the outpost and cover each of those layers with one of the outposts. Uh, the outpost on the on the on the bottom they tell you they have a picture of some of the icons of things you cannot acquire when the kite is there. So you're gonna start the game, you're gonna put the hell kite on the first one. And if that one shows, for example, the workers, you cannot acquire a worker while the Hellkite is at that outpost. Or that, yeah, that outpost. Um, This adds a new action. Instead of acquiring a card, you can instead destroy the Hellkite. To do that, it's the opposite of the the Stonebirds and the peers. You have to get a low number. You have to get 15 or lower.
1: Which is much easier for me to calculate.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but you know what? I find it harder to get. (laughs) Really, I find it that I, I was getting above 25 all the time, but 15 for some. and my math might be wrong, but I was, I was finding it hard.
1: I mean, and I don't know. Statistics suggest that it should be about the same, but okay.
0: Yeah, you're right. I mean, actually it should be easier because for, for the peers, you got to get 26 or higher, right? And six times six is 36. So the highest total you could ever have is 36. This so is it's a true. small range with a, with a well, the lowest you can
1: range. ever have is six.
0: Oh, yeah, you're right. So it's about the same. You're right. I didn't think of that. So it's about the same. But anyway, I guess that's neither really here nor there. So (laughs) if you you have that, you could choose to destroy that outpost where the kite is at. And you just remove that card and take it out of the game. And now the layer that was underneath it, you flip it over so you could see the, the symbols on that one. When next time your kite is at this location, if you have 15 or lower again, you could go ahead and destroy the kite or the location... And you will get, be rewarded with whatever icon is shown on there. So it may have, again, workers or blueprints or whatever. If one of those cards is available for you to buy, you could just get it for free, which is super nice. If if the card you need is in one of those really hard to roll things, like the the two three of a kinds or the two pa- the three pairs, um, you could just go ahead and take that card for destroying the layer. Um, at the end of the round, every single round, the kite moves over one space to the right to the next outpost or layer, to the next cards. When it reaches the end, it goes back to the beginning. So throughout the game, he's going to be moving along, and you're going to be destroying those outposts and then those layers underneath them. To win the game, you now have to destroy all the layers. So not only do you have to build your ship, plus whatever other expansion you're using, you have to get rid of all the layers so the hell kite no longer has a home. It's an interesting expansion...
1: I'm going to mention that the art for this really evokes that sense of bad guy. It's the evil look of the outpost. It's the red glare. I really like having an antagonist in the game. It's kind of funny, but when the Hellcat is there and the Hellcat is like attacking you and and constantly moving around with his groaning face, like it feels more (laughs) dramatic and, and, enlivening to actually have a bad guy in the game to have someone you're fighting against as opposed to just oh you're out of time it feels it feels more energetic to me when there's a bad guy
0: yeah i i I agree but i will say though um it did not play out that way for me (laughs) you didn't feel i and no when I, i only played this expansion once but and that's probably my issue it's i've got it's you're gonna have to get used to this expansion i kept forgetting to move the guy i totally just forget he exists for a while because he's way (laughs) back there behind everything else out of my way and up in the sky so i kept forgetting and once i said "Ooh, it's probably been three turns since i've been ignoring so let me move him over three spaces (laughs) maybe four i don't know you know and until that kept happening um and, and honestly, that, that worked out in my favor because I'd also forget to check him and see what cards I cannot buy. So I am sure at least a few times I bought cards I shouldn't have been able to.
1: I think a good um, method to perhaps remember that is it, to, what I instead do is I actually put the Hellkite in the discard piles um, because I would I would line it up that the Outpost and layers are just above the discard mm, pile. Mm-hmm. And then he's actually more idea. in my play area.
0: Yep. That, that's a good idea. I should do that way instead. Though, I mean, otherwise, I do like it because, again, this is an expansion that really makes things a lot more interesting because now you got to keep an eye on where the Hellkite is now and where he's going to be because you're not going to be able to card by whatever cards he's blocking when he's at his his outpost. So you need to be prepared for that. If there's a a certain card you need and you know it's going to be blocked the next few turns, you you need to figure out how to go for it now or you're going to have to just wait a while, Um, which can be frustrating because if you have to wait for a while, the next few turns... You're gonna to have to be buying cards that you may not be able to even place because both your workshops are already occupied. So, so it is interesting. And once you've destroyed the outpost, and then it comes back around to that location again, and you destroy the lair, as a bonus, you get that that card that you really needed, whatever it might be. Hopefully, you do. So, so it is another interesting expansion. It it makes the game. I I think I'll enjoy it once I get the hang of it. I really do. <laughs> I love the fact that, like you said, it's a map and, and you're you're fighting this villain. And he's running around and, and you're chasing him, and why not?
1: I enjoyed it. I liked this one. I think this was a lot of fun. It 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 just it it brought something that I feel like was missing to the whole game, which is a bad guy.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. The I like that there's six different expansion and you can mix and match. I started playing with just one, and I tried mixing pairs of them. Then I tried three of uh, three expansions at a time. I found that when when I got to three, I started not enjoying the game as much. Mm.
1: I have not done that. I've not tried it.
0: You know? Okay. I find I like two or one. When, when you add three, it becomes a little bit too chaotic because you don't know what's going to show up. Like, for example, those Hammerbirds, you're hoping to have three of them uh, visible at a time, but there's so many other cards in your deck now that the likelihood of getting three is just lower. So it's locking up things longer, and, and so, so I, I was just not enjoying it. Just a little too much chaos, I think, for my taste. It wasn't I, bad. It's was just <laughs> more to think about, I guess.
1: I have so far only done just one at a time.
0: Okay. Well, so again, this is this is what's neat about these Oniverse games, ones with all the expansions. You could choose which ones to throw in every time, and they all add different feel. You could try the ones you like together and see how they work, you could try when you like and when you don't like because sometimes that gives you a surprising combination, which is you know super interesting. All of a sudden it's like, oh, these two work really well together or, or whatever. Indeed. hmm And and that is super neat. Having expansions gives you a lot more cards, which gives you a lot more discards and a lot more rerolls. So they're they're handy. And adding more in there could be handy. But the problem is you now have to make sure that if you're for example collecting uh Hourglasses or something. You don't discard the fourth one, not realizing you hadn't gotten that one yet. <laughs> that could be a problem.
1: I don't think that's happened to me, but
0: I can definitely understand <laughs> the issue. Yeah, so it, it, it's an. I, I like this game. It's an interesting game. I really enjoyed it a lot.
1: Indeed. I would have enjoyed it. I've enjoyed having it on my shelf and pulling it out. It's not a game that requires a ton of thought process. It's not a game that takes a lot of time to be able to go through and having the different expansions, having the different types of gameplay mean that even if you're getting bored or you feel like you've seen one specific type of it, mixing it up by having it diff- using a different expansion continues to give it a sort of fresh flavor feel. So as with many of the Oniverse games, I do continue to enjoy this one.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree 100%. I think this might be one of my top three favorites.
1: Of the universe or all games?
0: <laughs> of, the, of the universe. Oh, okay. Um, uh,
1: mm-hmm. I can pretty confidently say that because it's one of the only three that are still on my shelf. <laughs> the only ones on my shelf are this one, Nautilion, and Kasselion.
0: Oh, yeah. See, I can't get rid of any of them. Yeah, my my favorite are, are this one, Castilian, and Oniram. Look at that. Well, I'm glad we at least agree on two of those. <laughs> <laughs> yep.
1: Albert, we have flown way past our allotted time. We need to wrap this up.
0: <laughs> All right. Take it away, Julius.
1: Have a good night, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you.